blank. What the blank? Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of What the Blank and Major Crush. <laughs> We're all here together and uh, and I'm so fired up because <laughs> Meredith knows yeah. I've like gone from Major Crush to Devoted Completely to my devoted. girl Lane, mm-hmm. Lane Tanner. Yes, um, Josh I, and Lars, you're going to hear all about it. Yeah, oh gosh. You're going to get to try right. some of her wine too we've got here. I think it was Even seven, better. eight years ago I, I, I started crushing on her. I didn't even, I've never met her until the other day. And, and, uh, I tasted one of her wines when I was down on Los uh, Alamos and I looked at Sonia, we were having dinner and I said, good night. This is one of the best Pinots I've ever had in my life. It might be the best. And so here I got this huge crush. We, we go down there and we have to meet her at nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah. We can't start drinking at nine in the morning. No, but I loved it. I fell deeper in love with her because mm. we walked in and she's playing Little Feet on the deal, which is my all time favorite band. And we were doing trite face boogie and, and, and hanging tight. I think he's speaking to a different generation mm. right yeah, now. Well, if you're not into Little Feet, yeah, the original Little Feet, you're Josh missing and I are the sitting boat. here yeah. like, all right, cool. You're going to have to play some of that music for us, okay? <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll we'll definitely play it in the intro and outro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, Lane's a rock star, Meredith. She's a rock star. And, you know, it's funny. You reached out to her a little the same way I reached out to John, just... It's like my son said to me when he was a little boy one time. He goes, gosh, Dad, everybody loves me. Everybody's yeah. loving us, Meredith, and I love yeah. this. They're just, it just shows how welcoming the wine community it's is. It's so honoring it's, to, yeah. to have these guys. You know, Lane was, was voted in 2019 uh, by the wine enthusiasts as winemaker of the year. Yeah. And that's a spe- a really special because it's from her peers. Her peers, which is different than some of the other things where it's based more on scores and there's Advertising some political things and, that get yeah. involved. But to be voted by your peers is a pretty big deal, especially because she, you know, often those people are like big labels, really you know, worldwide known. And she's, she was a smaller label making fantastic Oh, yeah, wine. she's just by herself, you know. Yeah. And guys, you know, we know how much you love Paso, and that's your home kind of from San Luis Obispo and Cal Poly. Um, but, you know, have you guys spent any time just south of there in Santa Barbara County? Have you had a chance to go down there? I haven't dipped down there too much, but I know Lars has a little bit more than I have. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you guys something. The Pinots we're drinking, that we drank there, are rivaling, and I've been telling three or four of my mm-hmm. good buddies, they are rivaling Burgundian yeah. wines. And we had read, because I had been down there years ago, but I wasn't really a wine person when we were down there, so I didn't appreciate it as much. But I had read how they're very Burgundian. Their Chardonnay oh. and their Pinots are very Burgundian yeah. style. Santa Rita Hills is a very... Um, Especially from Santa Rita Hills. Yeah. That region. But it wasn't always that way, Meredith. No, it wasn't. That's for sure. So, you know, t- talking about Lane... There's a restaurant called the Hitching Post Restaurant. So if anyone's seen Sideways, Hitching Post is the restaurant in there where they go to eat and Miles finds it. It became world famous because of that movie, but it was also the movie that put Pinot Noir on the map. And ironically, Lane made wines for the Hitching yeah, Post. Yeah, she was married to the Sideways. owner of it yeah. and made the the Pinot that, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Miles? Uh, no, uh, oh. yeah, Miles. Was, yeah, but his, the movie. But uh, the actor, Paul Giamatti, Paul Giamatti yeah. was drinking. And that, but that was, 
in the 90s, I think, was when she was making the wines for him. So long before the movie. The movie didn't come out till 2004. Um, but it kind of put that movie, ironically, kind of put that region on the map. Mm -hmm. They said it really increased yeah. tourism after that movie came out. And Pinot Noir sales. Yeah, she said there were a lot of bad Pinot makers <laughs> all of a sudden because it became, you know, Meredith, I've, I've told a lot of people this. Two weeks before that movie, mm -hmm. a bottle of uh, Merlot sold for $40 and a bottle of Pinot for 10 mm -hmm. Two weeks after that movie, a bottle of Merlot sold for $10 and a bottle of Pinot for $40. Mm -hmm. More. And yeah. there was a lot. And so everybody pulled out their vines, started planting Pinot, the heartbreak grape, and uh, a lot of bad Pinot. And for you guys, I think because you... Lou and I are new to social media. You know, we saw what a movie did for wine. But how does social media kind of have that same impact on wine labels? Or does it? Can it? Because you it, guys are more of that generation than we are. It definitely can. But before, before we jump into that, I want to say one thing about Sideways. Many people don't know this, but in the last scene of the movie, when he grabs that bottle that he's been saving forever, and he goes, I don't remember, McDonald's, or he goes yeah, like, like a fast, fast food, food restaurant, pops it open, that chateau is in Bordeaux, and they that's a bottle of Merlot. So in the end, it was like it, it was really, kind of like who cares about what wine it is, but but it, no one really picks up on that. Yeah, that's, so it's like it's kind of funny because it, it's just ironic because yeah. of what it did to Pinot. Yeah, and, you know, and if you yeah. listen carefully really to what he's saying, he didn't like Merlot because his ex-wife loved it. Yeah, it had yeah. nothing to do with that. It had nothing wine, to do with his but, favorite wine. Yeah. But he said it with such like, <laughs> you know, vengeance when he said it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of uh, social media and like, I, I guess, different media outlets now that are, you know, more specific to younger generations, I would say there's there's definitely a big influence um, that comes out of that, which I think it's good and I think it's bad. Mm -hmm. And we could touch on scores, too, because it's like there's. There's good and bad, and at its core, I mean, we can dive into it a lot or a little bit, but at its core, it's just like everyone's palate's different. Mm -hmm. So if you find someone that your palate matches up with theirs and you tend to like a lot of their wines that they enjoy, then that's perfect. Listen right. to them, but yeah. don't take someone's opinion on wine. You have no idea because they might like completely different wines than you, and don't just say oh there's a 90s score it must be amazing because you don't know who scored it so yeah. it's just like knowing your palate knowing who's actually doing the scoring it's a really That's good a point josh point. there's yeah. there's yeah. a lot of people now you know robert parker you, meredith and i we've always said the two roberts taught the baby boomers about wine mandavi and parker but parker's retired and so all these other people are, are buying for positions and if you're working to try to get a position as a famous wine scorer, you're going to do favors. Yeah. So and don't believe Parker, them. Parker has been scoring for 10 years. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's yeah. other people, and they're still using his name and likeness to, you know. I mean, it's still the company, and, you know, every That's internally true. they're all the same. But, like, he's not doing the tastings for the past 10 years. And mm -hmm. many people don't know that. I wonder yeah. if you get a better score on Wine Spectator or Wine uh, Enthusiast if you buy an ad. Yeah, you, you do, or if you, you own it. Yeah, <laughs> true, true. But there's definitely, you know, as you guys talked about in the other interview, to you know, pulling back the curtain from the wine industry, and there is that side. Just like any industry, there are politics involved with it. Sadly, even with wine. So, 
I think that'll be interesting as you kind of do this what the blank and get into some of that that you might share more of that with people about what what it looks like to be on on that side yeah definitely we want some some more transparency in the industry mm -hmm. yeah and there's a lot of ways we can go about that one way we're gonna address it is we're gonna have a big push to encourage people to share what they think about the wine. Yeah, good. Yeah. And because like at the end of the day, you know, there's thousands of people that have reviewed a wine and it's generally good. You can be a lot more confident in that rating system versus one thought leader saying, hey, this is what you should think. Yeah, exactly. I think that's yeah. such a, I think that's such a ingenious I love way it, love to it. do that. That's what I've always wanted to happen. doing air and water pollution. Oh, Very her story different. on the podcast is fabulous. Yeah, you've got to listen to it. But what really made her follow her passion for wine was she had an amazing mentor who was world-renowned world that she oh. didn't even know when she met him, but Andre Chelichoff. Yeah. And it's sort The of, biggest. Yeah, and she, because he empowered her and wanted to push her and kind of towards doing wine and follow her passion and her instincts a lot... Sort of what you're doing with Lash, Wash, Josh and Lars. I just am gonna combine that your could names. Be, that could have be you had? That's fine. Yeah. Have Maybe you already Lash. had a glass of this? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> but it kind of speaks to that. You know, you're the they're younger, you're the older, and you're kind of guiding them and pushing them to follow their passion in making wine. They act older, and I act younger. Yeah, I mean, they're probably yeah. helping keep you We're here in to line balance, a yeah, little balance bit. Balance each other out. Yeah. yeah. But it's sort of fun, and I think it'll be interesting for everyone to listen to our interview about how important a mentor can be in your life when they come into you at the right time and really help you find your path. Yeah, I think mentors are extremely important for any, essential any mm -hmm. anywhere that you're going in life, whether you know in your early life it's usually like a parent, and then after that you start branching out when you start going down your career path, and it's like. You know, it's always good to find someone who's, you know, been where you want to go. or Made the, you know, made the mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. it's like they, from what I've found personally, is people who have already been there and gone a certain direction, they want to help. They want to give back because if they could look back and see themselves starting out, you know, they'd have a million ways to do it differently yeah. and, you know, learn from it. So. I think it's really good to kind of connect younger generation, older generation to just share in new ideas, collaboration, and also guidance. It's just uh, awesome. And I think there's a little bit of that, you know, you paying it for, you know, almost all of us have some type of mentor in our lives that we felt we would not be where we are today if we hadn't, and sometimes it's multiple people. So I think there is that, like, I want to pay that forward to the next, someone else to help them find their way. So I think exactly to what you're saying. It's just, and I think it, Going back to the wine industry, I think all industries are special, but I do find that the wine industry is special, and to your point, too, because it's, it's evolving, and so you've got to keep up. You're trying to tackle the newer, younger generation of how do we make them wine 
Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about it too. Yeah. I'm excited about blank wines. I love everything these guys are doing. Yeah, we, we cannot wait for that to get out there and start drinking some of it. Oh, too. We can't wait. Too. We can't wait either. Yeah. Well, speaking about drinking wine, though, okay, we got to talk oh, about this wine. That yummy, yummy. This is crazy. 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 I mean, if you just saw the color and you smell it. So, again, we don't want to take away from the interview we did with Lane. She talks about how she, why she makes this wine and all of that. It goes into SO2s and all of this. But this is, it's 50%... Grenache Blanc. Blanc. Pinot Gris. Pinot Gris and 50% Grenache Blanc. Yep. And then there's organic ginger in here. I, I, which I, mean, I smell immediately. Yeah, right. it's right there. And the color, you can. that's where I think some of this coloring is coming from. Well, that and Ooh. 12 days of skin contact. So it's really right. an orange wine. And then the ginger root is probably kicking out of color. But ginger's kind of a almost a, a, a saw blanc color. Yeah. 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 It kind of yeah, has a yeah. Yeah. I think this color, color. Yeah. I think this color is coming from the twelve days of skin contest. We should, we should have asked her what that what it came from. But I do think, and again, we probably don't want to give away the the interview. But her reason for trying this ginger is basically she's allergic to SO2. Like some people, a very small percentage is actually allergic to SO2. If they have asthma. Asthma Especially, often. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, less, yeah, less than 1% mm -hmm. are allergic to sulfites. Mm -hmm. And one thing that's interesting about sulfites is a lot of people, there's a lot of myths about it. Some people blame it for headaches, for hangovers, for stomach aches, body, all this different <laughs> stuff. And it's like, it affects one, less than 1% of the population. So a lot of it's from yeah. other things like yeah and, mo and most wines there's there's more <laughs> sulfites in a teaspoon of peanut butter than a bottle of wine oh yeah in yeah. a coca-cola oh. or yeah yeah, or, yeah. yeah. but yeah, what i'm trying i think what she was alluding to and you guys you all of us have 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 experienced this, this. they do add some silver some sulfur right. excuse me in the last part of the fermentation bottling process mm -hmm. and it has to work its way through it to activate the grapes, and she goes into detail and about it. I yeah, think it helps one of preserve the it. valid yeah. points she brought up is that sometimes when you have a bad wine, you have to put, you have, and she, maybe she didn't say bring bad up the wine. acid. Yeah, a poor quality wine where there were mistakes made in the winemaking process, you have to add more sulfites to make up for yeah something that maybe went wrong. Off and odors. so often than that, <laughs> yeah. when they do that, there is. A higher percentage of sulfites than one might their system yeah. might like. Because haven't you guys open a bottle and you just get this sulfur big time? Oh yeah, yeah. And I get it in, mostly in Syrahs and uh, Pinots. Yeah. And, I don't know why, but I had it the other day in a Tempranillo also. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she believes that ginger can kind of have the same job as a preservative in winemaking. So she's experimenting with using ginger as a preservative which again she goes into much more detail and scientific but i think it's fascinating this is a super unique wine you guys have to listen i would do to this, this with some sushi the, oh exactly. yeah. that's what i was thinking as soon as i started drinking it Boom. Yeah. perfect <laughs> pairing as one of the only females sitting here in the room I think it was really interesting how lane talked about she describes her wines as being very Feminine, which is kind of a loaded word today. It really is. Yeah. What, what? How do you? How do you, younger guys, interpret 
I wonder if they interpret it different than we do, Lou. Feminine versus masculine wines. Yeah, they're weird, so they probably do. <laughs> I mean, but, I've, I've always just interpreted the feminine versus masculine wine conversation as, um, you know, uh, something maybe lighter and brighter as opposed to something that, you know, like a, a cab, a Napa cab that saw extended French New Oak barrel aging. You know, it's Tannic, got all these crazy gold. big yeah. tannins and tobacco and all these, you know, notes you get from the barrel. Um, it's not as light as something. I would say crash. that compared to a Bordeaux. Yeah. A yeah. softer Merlot, like, you know, a, yeah. a, a right bank Merlot. But I, but I don't, so sometimes I don't always extend it into great variety. Like, I think you can have a very feminine cab versus a very masculine cab. Yeah, Definitely. and a good example of that is, like, Barolo and Barbaresco. Yeah. But Nebbiolo is a grape really... It's the same grape. that yeah. as a feminine uh-uh. grape. I mean, it's regardless of how you make, it's going to be. But they've always said Barbaresco is the more feminine of mm-hmm. the uh, versus the Barbera mm-hmm. yeah. in a Piedmont, in a Nebbiola grape in mm-hmm. Piedmont. Yeah. The thing with that is it, it's definitely like a scale. Mm-hmm. So it's like a Barbaresco versus Barolo. You know, Barbaresco is feminine, Barolo is masculine. But. The Barbaresco, if you drink one that's a three years old, it's going to be huge and tannic and big compared to most other wines mm-hmm. out there. So it's like, yeah, those are feminine and masculine, but it's like that's on the high end of the masculine scale. So it's like it, it depends on the varietal, depends on the area. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely a little bit subjective. It's tricky to break yeah. it down. Yeah. I think back to, I remember our interview with Ryan Waugh, and he explained if Cab is the king, Cabernet Sauvignon is oh, a king, good. Yeah. Cabernet Franc is the queen. The and queen. that was kind of yeah. his interpretation of kind of that masculine and feminine. He was speaking specifically to Napa Valley, I think, more than anything. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm with you, kind of what Lars said. I typically think of a feminine wine as just a softer... I think of it as a more elegant style of wine, yeah. a more integrated style of wine, often more balanced. I don't know if I'm just talking about females now, but no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> you, be, you being the only one, let's leave that alone, I think, guys. I think it's kind of, uh, a, it's, it's too general of a way to describe wine. I, I think that really what people should aim to do maybe is... Um, describe wine outside of those two definitions because mm-hmm. um, I feel like people can have so many different interpretations of what that really means. Mm-hmm. And, and ideally as humans, we both, we have feminine and masculine sides no matter exactly. what yeah. our gender is. Mm-hmm. So I think wines kind of have both those sides. Well, yin exactly, and yang. Yeah. All right, let's do this. Let's do a, a live experiment. We got a bottle of her 2016 Lumen Grenache mm-hmm. and, and she told us when she gave us this bottle that she makes it very much like her Pinot. So let's yeah. let's pour a little bit of that. And it smells it smells very Pinot like when you first take it. It does. It looks Pinot like super, super looks, light look color. At this color. Super light color. And, and the smell is like I, mean, I would I'd I'd miss this guys. I'd say it smells so much like Pinot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get very. big cranberry notes, a little bit of spice. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of just these warm spices that's really what have you guys tasted it yet it's speaking to me yeah and then on the on the mouth mm. i mean oh my gosh soft soft light but big bright. big flavor yeah. 
Yeah. Very concentrated flavor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You still get some of those spices. I get a lot of the pepper. spices on the palate for yeah. sure. More on my palate than I did in my mm-hmm. nose. Josh, make some ribs real quick, will you? Yeah, this would just this go perfect. perfect. But I also <laughs> think this would go with something much lighter than ribs because like, it is oh, a lighter. It, it would go with your your little... Um, my sweet potato. Uh, yeah, it would go with your sweet potato. Or your mm. ear of corn. Yeah. Uh, the... <laughs> No, but this just a, 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 a little caprizi salad. Yeah, I do think this. Could it would hold up. it would go terrific. Yeah, I think this could definitely hold up with like that tomato mozzarella, especially if you throw in an eggplant in there. I like what Lars just said. Good, it's, good Thanksgiving. This wine. is a real good with it smoked go turkey. Yeah, it could go with everything. Ham, yeah, we love yeah. any appetizer because it's light. Yeah. I mean, this is this is perfect. Mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes. I'm gonna tell you, this is the best Grenache I've ever had. So the question is, and I think I know the answer. I have my opinions, but what do you guys think, feminine or masculine? Feminine, soft. Yep. But yet strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's feminine and masculine qualities. To I that. know. I Meredith feel like is. a lot of that spice is in there. I think a little bit more masculine with some of that texture, but the fruit flavor and the light body. Color, is light very body. Feminine. So yeah. I see where she probably, in comparison to a lot, if you compared this to another another Grenache, I would probably say this is definitely a feminine Grenache. 100%. To, like some of the ones it, that we had in Paso, I would say yep. are definitely more masculine. Mm. 100%. Yeah, yeah, a little bit bolder, a little heavier on the palate, yeah. more fruit, and mm-hmm. maybe a little more, more tannins, and it's just, yeah, just all around a little bit bigger in mm-hmm. Paso. Unless you're, you know, deep into the west side, tucked away in a, Cooler spot, but I mean, for the I, most part, when I took a sip, I just said soft. It's yeah, very soft. you know what I mean. I mean, it's got everything. It's not missing a single thing. You know, I think sometimes Grenache does not get the the credit it deserves for what a great grape it can be. But oh, I Grenache think is incredible. A lot of people you don't love see it, Grenache as being a very elegant, like I, for whatever reason. I know. But this, to me, has a very elegant style Grenache. Oh, I, great description. You'd Any, pour this at, at any dinner you'd ever go to, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. Anyone who likes Pinot, they'd love this. They'd love this. Yeah, this, agree. So I'm excited, you know, you being a big lover, Lars, of, of Grenache, you know, you've always leaned towards it. You brought over some great ones. I'm excited about Grenache really making it in America. Being, yeah. a, being a predominant Rome varietal. Do you Rome think you're going to have some Grenache in blank? I think we're going to have everything in blank. I mean, that's the goal is to have this good, huge library of varieties that everybody has access to. And, and they get to um, learn about and it. They get yeah. to learn and explore. And that's our yeah, experience. You know? it. Yeah. And yes, Grenache will definitely be one of those. So, yes, yeah, to answer I your question, Grenache will be in there. kind of light up, like, yeah, that's going to happen. Oh, yeah, some good Grenache. Too. Maybe Lars is Grenache. alluding to the Thanksgiving shipment. So. Yeah, yeah fingers perfect crossed. Thanksgiving wine. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Maybe some Grenache in there. Thanksgiving, the whole holiday season, great. Like, if you're having dinner part, I mean, maybe not everyone will be having big dinner parties, but if you're having, you know, less than 10 people over to have for a dinner party, <laughs> I feel friendly, like yeah. this... And it's I, great for the whole yeah. holiday season because Definitely. often there are so many different flavors happening mm-hmm. at those kinds of things. I've always poured that GSM blend, Grenache Sarama Bad, yeah. at, at, at Thanksgiving meals. Yep. It's gone over great. Yeah, that's another one they can pair with pretty much everything. Yeah. You guys are making me hungry. That's mm-hmm. probably good, right? 